0: Good morning. It's about that time. Looks like most everybody's about ready. We are in John, still, covering the Gospel of John. So if you have your Bible, it's going to turn to that. And last week, we finished off uh, John 4, John chapter 4. And I actually wanted to, before we go into John chapter 5... I wanted to go back and uh, just recall uh, a point there that I wanted to touch base about. And that was where Jesus was talking to the Samaritan woman by the well and answering her questions about worship. Um, We briefly covered it, but I, again, wanted to take a second look at it since Jesus gave her and us an important insight into worship uh, and insight into God and how he desires to be worshiped and those are verses uh, 30, uh, 23 and 24 and again he answers her and says but an hour is coming and now is when the true worshipers will worship the father in truth and spirit spirit and truth for the father is seeking such to worship him God is spirit and those who worship him must worship in spirit and truth now uh Our God is not physical. Uh, He's spiritual, and he wants us to worship him uh, with our whole being. He wants us to uh, worship him with what makes us in his image and what separates us from all of his other creation, our spirit. And so we need to worship him with our spirit, our whole being, our life, But we also worship him, we see in truth. There's two parts of that. Uh, His truth, right? Uh, A lot of people these days are talking about our own truth. Um, There's only one truth, and that's God's truth, not man-made truth. All throughout the Bible, we see uh, from the beginning of the Bible to the end uh, that not all worship is pleasing to God we don't we it's not something that we just worship him in the way that we want to worship him uh, from the beginning there was Cain and then we go on to uh, Nadab and Abihu and we see also Ananias and Sapphira and then in in the end or in Matthew and in Luke we see that there are many that will be saying lord lord call him lord lord but they they were not doing what was right they were not uh, following him and for us to know the truth, we just seek him. That's the examples that, we're, that we are given. Seek and you will find. We're to learn more about him and his will through the scriptures. And that's how we'll get our answers on what he wants us to do. Uh, it should always be a God-centered worship, not self-centered So what if we do one aspect and not the other? What if we worship in spirit but not truth or truth and not spirit? Is that pleasing to God? Here it tells us that uh, to be a true worshiper, both aspects are needed. So we should always be striving to focus our worship uh, and incorporate both of those aspects and making sure both of those are covered when we're doing such. Now let's um, go ahead and turn over to, that transitions us over to chapter 5. So let's go ahead and flip over to John chapter 5. And we're going to be just reading verses 1 through 4. I'm covering that real fast. It says, uh, After this, there was a feast of the Jews, and Jesus went up to Jerusalem. Now there is in Jerusalem by the sheep gate a pool, which is called in Hebrew Bethsaida, having five porches. In these lay a great multitude of sick people, blind, lame, paralyzed, waiting for the moving of the water, for an angel went down at a a certain time in the pool and stirred up the water. Then whoever stepped in first after the stirring of the water was made well of whatever disease he had. And we're going to stop there. Um, And I wanted to uh, look at that transition between four and five. (coughs) Throughout the the book here, we've been reading about uh, the disbelief or the inability to comprehend uh, Jesus' teachings because of the people's refusal to listen or their certain mindset that they're not willing to change, that mindset on physical things. And as we continue through this chapter, we're going to see that progression of hostility uh, to them uh, and then in, in, leading up to the point of them taking Jesus' life. Now, uh, the verses that we just read, uh, you'll see that if you're reading ESV, um, it's actually missing verse four in some. If you're especially if you're reading the electronic, uh, because the second half of verse three and verse four were actually not in the very original manuscripts, which is kind of interesting. Uh, but they were put in. Uh, sounds like most likely by a scribe trying to explain why these people were coming to these, why these sick people were coming to the portico uh, in this pool. <clears throat> And another reason uh, that we see this being unique is because in this little section, again, the end of verse 3 and verse 4, there's words in there that John hasn't, doesn't use in any of his other writings, any of the other uh, books or this book that he's written. Uh, so, again, in later manuscripts, they were, they were put in, and uh, there were identifiers that they were added in most likely from the copiers, again, explaining why the belief of the people at that time, why they were coming there to that location. It also uh, does not give uh, it being there, being written in there, does not give confirmation to the belief of the people on why they were doing that, just the reason why the people were there. And that leads us into verse 5 through 8. Let's go and read that. Now a certain man was there, Who had an infirmity, 38 years. When Jesus saw him lying there, he knew that he already had been in that condition a long time. He said to him, Do you want to be made well? And the sick man answered him, Sir, I have no man to put me in the pool when the water is stirred up. But while I am coming, another steps down before me. And Jesus said to him, Rise up, take your bed, and walk. And immediately the man was made well. He took up his bed, and he walked. Now this guy, this man, had been infirm for 38 years. Uh, that's my entire life, that he had that disability. Uh, and this was his last thread of hope, if he had any hope left. He, but uh, it looks like he did, because he was there attempting to get it cured. I couldn't imagine having an issue that was... Uh, physically disabling for that long uh, and like I said this was his last hope and he was not even able to try it to see if it worked because of that infirmity and his uh, an ability to get there before the people and down in the pool before other people did and Jesus walking around looked and he saw him and knowing him uh, knowing that um Knowing that, just by the man uh, talking to him, he healed him. Jesus appeared, just like he did with the Samaritan woman. Um, all that lead up to the Samaritan woman for that purpose, it's the same thing here. Jesus was actually looking for him. Uh, this isn't somebody that came up and started talking to him and questioning him. He had a purpose. <clears throat> I think the question that he asked was a pretty simple question. Do you want to be healed? But that question had more meaning than just it, because he knew he wanted to be healed. Uh, Not only did the man tell him, but of course he had that knowledge. But was he ready? I think that was more of the question. Are you ready to be healed after 38 years of infirmity? Was he going to be able to take responsibility for um, being fully capable was he ready for that? The man, interestingly enough, didn't have a request. He did make a subtle, uh, suggestion that he needed help into the pool, though he didn't ask for it. But he indicated that he was ready to be healed and that he was trying to. And then Jesus gave a simple instruction. Simple but impossible instruction. You don't see the man questioning it. You don't see the man arguing with him about it. The man realized, after he said it, that he he had the ability to follow those instructions. And so he did, and he left. Uh, 38 years, Uh, I don't know if it was shock (laughs) uh, at at what happened, Um, but you don't see him jumping and leaping and praising God uh, it might have happened, but we 're not told of it, but he picks it up and and goes something about miracles uh, that needs to be you know a, a concept of miracles is that they are impossible it is impossible it 's impossible for any other way for it to happen. Um, they go against any sense of our understanding or science again someone in the firm for thirty eight years. With all of our medical technology and knowledge, um, we're able to do a lot of things with that, right? Our understanding of the body, anatomy, and uh, biology. We're able to do a lot of things, but for someone to come overcome a disability, and we're talking a, a, a short disability, right? Just have surgery. Uh, it could take days, sometimes months, sometimes years, to recover, to rehabilitate, uh, and that's involving invasive surgeries. But, uh, this one, this man, was able to immediately get up and do something that he hadn't been able to do. His muscles were strengthened. His tendons and his ligaments, uh, were able to assist the muscles and the bones move. Uh, his nerves, did what they had to do so that he could feel and so he can move accurately. Um, again, we don't know his infirmity, but just the atrophy of not being able to use your body the way that you're normally able to, um, that sets in, uh, that takes a while to overcome, and this guy was immediately made, uh, able to, to do things he hasn't been able to. Uh, Jesus was able to fix him. That shows... Um, and that's immediate, right? And that shows, again, his dominion over creation, and which is something that we'll continue to see with all of the other miracles. That leads us into verse 10 through 15. <clears throat> I didn't finish reading uh, the last of verse 9 there. So he took up his bed and walked, and that day was the Sabbath, when that occurred. The Jews therefore said to him, uh, who was cured, It is the Sabbath, it is not lawful for you to carry your bed. He answered them, He who made me well said to me, Take up your bed and walk. And they asked him, Who is the man who said to you, Take up your bed and walk? But the one who was healed did not know who he was, for Jesus had withdrawn uh, a multitude being in that place. Afterward, Jesus found him in the temple and said to him, See, you have been made well. Sin no more, lest the worst thing come upon you. The man departed and told you, the Jews that it was Jesus who made him well. Interesting response by the Jews here, Right? You would think that the Jews, realizing that this man had been made well uh, and praised God for that and and congratulated him and been joyful with him, they could not get past the Sabbath um, traditions. Now, again, there's instructions for the Sabbath, and then there were Sabbath traditions, and we're going to talk about some of that here. So the traditions, well, the the instructions for the Sabbath from God were they weren't the people were not to work on the Sabbath day, um, and the purpose for that was so that they could rest. It was a gift from God, and so they could focus with, on their relationship with God without being distracted by work. Now there was some pretty uh, pretty intense uh, punishment, obviously, for violating the Sabbath, and that was death. But the Jews, again, had to break down work and they broke it down into thirty nine components which had even more instructions about those uh, different aspects of it and that 's what we 're reading here is that one of the one of the uh components was you weren 't able to to move things from, from public places to private places from house to house there were very specific instructions on what you could and couldn't do uh, and even some of those were had some gray areas because uh, the priest would say you couldn't do one thing but in general they would say you they wouldn't condone it but they say that you could and so that's what we're seeing here is him just picking up his his mat that he was laying on and walking with it was, was uh, not looked upon as it was looked upon as work And you can find those uh, list of 39 forms of work, um, which were compiled by rabbis, uh, and it not only talks about Sabbaths, but other Jewish holidays, which they considered breaks, and those are listed uh, pretty easily found. But the only one that we see listed in the Bible, uh, again, was not to work, uh, and on an aspect of that was not to kindle a fire throughout their dwellings on the sabbath day and that was in exodus chapter 35 verse 5 but we see that the the jews and the 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 leaders of the jews they they changed the purpose of the sabbath into something that god did not intend it to be instead it was a burden upon them instead of a, a day of rest and and recovery it was supposed to be a blessing So they see the male, and they see that he's going against what the rabbis had determined to be work. His response was, I was told by the guy who healed me, the guy who obviously um, had more authority than I did, and I followed it. He obviously was from God because he was able to heal him. So we see Jesus come in contact with the male again, and he tells him to sin, not to sin anymore, so nothing worse would happen to him, and that's an, again, that's an interesting instruction. Uh, what does he mean by that? Some, uh, especially some of the Jews, would say that his sin caused the disability. And we read that common misconception that the sin of the parents or the person themselves caused, caused their their ailments or their disabilities. Now, obviously, uh, there's consequences. That could have caused those things. Consequences for sin, right? Uh, from his parents even, uh, or from him sinning that could have caused it. And we see that limitations, uh, five, seven speaks to that. Um, and we know that there are physical and spiritual consequences for sin. In Exodus, um, chapter 20, verse five also speaks to that. But that was not usually what the Jews were, were referring to when mentioning it, right? It doesn't seem that they were mentioning that there are the consequences for the sin. They're typically saying the sin caused these issues, um, had deeper, uh, deeper, um, essentially roots. And we read in Ezekiel chapter 18, verse 20, that we bear our own sins, not those of our family, which Jesus will address later on in chapter 9 when we read it. So things to think about when uh, considering sin and and, and uh, their viewpoint and what the Bible says about it. We'll read throughout the scriptures. So there's two ways that we can uh, take that since we don't know the cause of his disability. And that what Jesus is saying about that. And there's two ways that we can take that. He could have been telling him to sin no more but if he continued to sin uh, that the Physical consequences of it could end up worse for him, uh, so whatever it, it could have been possible that he was sinning and something that he did cause that disability, it's kind of unlikely with how old he was, um, or not to sin because the spiritual consequences would be bad, obviously, his eternal life would be forfeited if he continued to sin. Uh, Or it could be both. It could have that dual meaning, which happens a lot in Scripture. Although I would lean more toward the spiritual uh, aspect since throughout this book, this book is made up of people uh, mistaking Jesus' message as physical and not spiritual. We see that over and over again. Now, this brings attention to Jesus, which again, I think is the, the point even though Jesus withdrew himself and came again, he knew that this man would tell the Jews who he was. And, uh, this was just part of the progress of his relationship with the Jewish people that led to his death. So they started to notice, notice Jesus. And he, they noticed that he didn't follow the traditions of men, although they considered them, uh, Traditions from God, but we see that those were made by men uh, and they t- the men take those and in turn make them a tradition of law so something that that's something that we should always be careful about confirming that we're not doing or going down that path is taking law and changing it or taking traditions and turning it to law and that leads us to verse sixteen verse twenty three For this reason, the Jews persecuted Jesus and sought to kill him, because he had done these things on the Sabbath. But Jesus answered them, My father has been working until now, and I have been working. Therefore, the Jews sought all the more to kill him, because he not only broke the Sabbath, but also said that God was his father, making him equal with God. Jesus, And then Jesus answered and said to them, Most assuredly I say to you, the Son can do nothing of himself, but what he sees the Father do for whatever he does, the Son also does in a like manner. For the Father loves the Son and shows him all things that he himself does. And he will show him greater works than these, that you may marvel. For as the Father raises the dead and gives life to them, even so, the Son gives life to whom he will. For the Father judges no one, but has committed all judgment to the Son. That all should honor the Son, just as they honor the Father. He who does not honor the Son does not honor the Father who sent him. So again, breaking the Sabbath, the... the. Uh, the punishment for that is death. So Jesus not was not only doing miraculous work on the Sabbath, I want to work on the Sabbath, violating it, but he was also telling others, in their eyes, to violate it also. Yet again, like I said before, another miracle by design. Breaking those cultural laws, um, which the people were enforcing, like they were given by God just like the interaction with the Samaritan woman uh, he did it. on the Sabbath just like the interaction you know, he did this on the Sabbath and <clears throat> had told him to do something they considered a violation that was not Jesus knew his time was approaching and so in doing so he was teaching them and us about God Remember by law also um well again, the penalty was for death, and then not only that, from their view of breaking the Sabbath, he compared himself to God. He was saying God was always working, and so so did he, since he has the attru- he's a, that uh he has the attributes of God, he's the son of God, and so we have another violation uh, according to the Jews. And essentially, blasphemy. And again, that's also another death sentence, which is why they sought to kill him even more. And Jesus tells him exactly what's going on here that he's being faithful to God, doing what God would do. And he's able to because God gave him the authority to. Jesus then goes on to talk about that authority, how he is able to give life, but also execute final judgment. We know that he came into the world to save. Uh, but those who refuse him will be judged and condemned. He mentions how the Father and the Son are united, how they're one, so they cannot reject him and still honor God. And that continues, and he continues giving uh, evidence of that in verse um 24. See, I already read 24. No, he continues on that in verse 24, so let's continue there. Verse 24 through 29. We'll read that. Most assuredly I say to you, he who hears my word and believes in him who sent me has everlasting life and shall not come into judgment, but has passed from death into life. Most assuredly I say to you, the hour is coming and now is when the dead will hear the voice of the son of god and those who hear will live for as the father has life in him so he has granted the son to have life in himself and he has given him authority to execute judgment also because he is the son of man do not marvel at this for the hour is coming in which all who who are in the graves will hear his voice and come forth, those who have done good to the resurrection of life, and those who have done evil to the resurrection of condemnation. I can of myself do nothing. As I hear, I judge, and my judgment is righteous, because I do not seek my own, but the will of the Father who sent me. Jesus, Jesus is saying some truths here that uh, the Jews are having trouble Understanding or or opening their minds to, <clears throat> which is again why they think he's doing things like violating the Sabbath and speaking blasphemy because they they don 't understand here Jesus transitions from the present relationship between the Father and the Son, which he was doing before, uh, to the future relationship between the Son and mankind. Jesus says in verse 24 that we read that uh, essentially all that is needed is hearing the word and believing in him to obtaining eternal life and not being judged. Yet in verse 29 we see those who have done good being resurrected to life and those evil in the condemnation. Is he contradicting himself again in the same the same uh, couple sentences? Uh, no, we, under, we have the understanding that the scriptures go together as a, to, to fulfill a picture. Uh, they tell us what is needed. He doesn't have to, every time he talks about go through the whole process of salvation. We understand that when somebody hears the words and believe they will continue down that progress which again leads to doing right. So throughout the scriptures we see that that process given to us about the need to hear, to believe, to repent, to confess, and be baptized, and to continue to be obediently faithful. That is the compilation of what the scriptures give us that's needed. So when he says one thing, he that is what he's giving us is those all those steps that's what his uh, his meaning is by that if you take just that one verse or even that other verse if you take 24 or 29 out of context you separate them from all the others you're missing the whole picture it's something that we should always be looking at as the picture that God gives us and not taking things out of context now uh, he here's going to be speaking about those spiritually dead and how they will rise from that spiritual death and live when they hear his voice and they believe him and they follow him. And Jesus, I don't know if it's humor that he's using here, but he's saying, don't be surprised by that. Don't be surprised by the fact that they're going to hear and live, be come, change from being spiritually dead to um, spiritually alive, because... That shouldn't be surprising because um, in the end, all are going to rise. He says in the same hour, right? All at the same time, they're going to rise when they hear his voice for the final time and judgment is going to be given to all. And he's going to be judging righteously. And so we see that transition because here it talks about the hour is coming as now. And so He's talking about that spiritual, uh, those spiritually dead becoming spiritually alive. And we see that transition here in verse 28 to, he says, the hour is coming. It doesn't say now. And so you can see that that's the transition between the final judgment. And that leads us into verse 31 through 40. If I bear witness of myself, my witness is not true. There is another who bears witness of me, and I know that the witness which he has witnessed of me is true. You have sent to John, and he has borne witness to the truth. Yet I do not receive testimony from man, but I say these things that you may be saved. He was uh, the burning and shining lamp, and you are willing for a time to rejoice in his light. But I have a greater witness than John's, for the works which the father has given me to finish the very works that i do bear witness of me that the father has sent me and the father himself who sent me has testified of me you have neither heard his voice at any time nor seen his form but you do not have his word abiding in you because whom he sent him you do not believe You search the scriptures, for uh, for in them you think you have eternal life. And these are they which testify of me. But you are not willing to come to me, that you may have life. Again, Jesus telling them that he is equal with God, uh, which is punishable by death, like we talked about. According to the law, you're not able to give testimony about yourself. um, For that does not confirm that truth, right? So according to the law, more is needed. And Jesus confirms his claim with saying he has witnesses. And we read John's testimony the first couple chapters of this book. We see that John testified about him, but... Not only John, but the Father himself. And it was all throughout the scriptures. Along with his, uh, along with uh, the testimony from the Father coming from his miraculous works, at his baptism, and his transfiguration. Jesus identified uh, the problem with the Jews' acknowledgement of his testimonies. They didn't accept. God's, uh, testimony because they have not heard His voice, what He says there. They have, nor they have, uh, seen His form. If they didn't have His word abiding in them. Because if they did, they would see Jesus all throughout the scriptures. And that's a big problem for the, obviously, for someone who is supposed to be observing and making decisions, observing the testimony, the testimonies of others and not believing them. And that leads us to finish off the chapter in verse 41 through 47. I do not receive honor from men, but I know you that you do not have the love of God in you. I have come in my Father's name, and you do not receive me. If another comes in his own name, you will receive him. How can you believe who receive honor from one another And do not seek honor that comes only from God. From the only God, excuse me. Do not think that I shall accuse you to the Father. There is one who accuses you, Moses, in whom you trust. For if you believe Moses, you would believe me. For he wrote about me. But if you do not believe his writings, how will you believe my words? So Jesus is accusing them of seeking honor from men. Something that Jesus was not trying to do is seeking honor from men. Only seeking uh, honor from God by doing his will. Something that we should be striving for also. Interestingly though, he says that he doesn't need to accuse them to the Father. He's not going to. He doesn't have to. Because Uh, well, he's not going to be accusing them of the in their unbelief. Again, because he didn't need to. The one person who they held in high esteem and followed so much uh, that they focused on was going to do that. They thought that they were being loyal to Moses by not accepting Jesus. When in fact, they were going to be prosecuted by Moses because of it since the law was pointing to Jesus that entire time. Uh, Very, uh, I don't know if I was hearing this, it'd be very uh, upsetting to hear that I was trying to be faithful. And yet that I was following the wrong, uh, I was changing things and following the wrong, the wrong, I mean, they were following the right thing to do, but they were misunderstanding uh, disbelieving God and not understanding the law and what it was pointing to. Um, you would hope that this would bring about the repentance of those who were hearing. But you can see that their heart was just hardened. They weren't accepting of the witnesses who testified again about who Jesus was. Uh, we can only hope that uh, after his death and resurrection we do see that many were converted and we hope that those that were hearing this word because the judgment was just going to be worse, obviously than before. Uh, that closes out chapter five and that's where we're going to lead off. Uh, thank you for this time and we still have a couple minutes. So I uh, just, I guess fellowship with each other and if you have any questions or comments, feel free. I'm always, uh, open to talk about the scripture and learn more and even be corrected when need be. Thank you.